Get at it. This hour is underway. It is Friday, February 17th. Aaron Vickers at Daily Hive. Steinberg along with you. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. And we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, hello, Vix. Let's let's not waste any time, nope. shall we? We got a lot to get to. We got some juicy, heavy stuff to dive into on this Friday. Is it juicy. Taylor made Friday for a show named Flamestock. Um, first of all, just this, just quickly, that was an ugly, uh, gross loss to the Red Wings. Uh, and not even because of who it was. I would bristle very much if you started to tell me that Detroit's not a good team. Detroit's a good team, man. Like, Steve Heiserman has that team moving in the right direction. They play hard. They've actually moved into a playoff spot on points percentage with the the two points they picked up against Calgary. Five consecutive win. This is a good developing team. But I think the the frustration coming out of Thursday was less about who it was, but more about the effort. And then you've got the head coach saying there was a lack of emotion. And then you've got the players saying it's on the leaders and the coach saying it was, I don't want to say he said a lack of leadership, but he was asked about why no emotion. He said, well, that's on the leaders. So you have all those things being said after a 5-2 loss to Detroit, where for a good chunk of that game, 40 plus minutes, they were a pretty listless and energy lacking group. And then you've got agent provocateur, uh, Ooh, that's, that's the yeah. name of his podcast uh, then you've got Alan Walsh chiming in on top of it the agent for Jonathan Huberdeau and Nick DeSimone but for the agent for Jonathan Huberdeau the most maligned player on this team let's be honest the guy who has been in the biggest spotlight this year the guy who is along with Jacob Markstrom absorbed the most criticism this year and then you've got his agent who has a very public profile, high profile public presence comes out. And this is what he said verbatim quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Also negativity sucks the joy right out of players. CC at NHL flames end quote. That was verbatim on Thursday night. Like as the final buzzer sounded tweet. And I think here's, I'm curious as to your interpretation. So this is what I interpreted it as. He was clearly taking a shot at Daryl Sutter, clearly taking a shot at the coach about not using his player properly and about how it's too negative an atmosphere in there. That's how I interpreted it as the agent going right after the agent for said player, Jonathan Huberdeau, going right after the head coach of the Calgary Flames. That's how I read it when I saw that following the game on Thursday. Yeah, you look at the the telling, there are two portions of that that was incredibly telling to me. The direct quote, negativity sucks the joy right out of players. That is very telling to me. Clearly, this is an agent that's not happy for his, for his client. I don't think it's wrong to interpret that 
The question is, is he relaying from his player or is he speaking independently? We heard today he was speaking independently and Jonathan Huberto wasn't aware, didn't know that this tweet was coming, which, as you mentioned, happened within roughly 15 minutes of the final buzzer of the game. Would have been a lot more cryptic had he not CC'd the Calgary Flames Twitter account directly. Like, you cannot hide. That's why it was a little easier to interpret. Had that have been left off, it's like, ooh, wonder what he's he's talking talking about. Then you go through all his, the entire, the, the, the complete register of Alan Walsh's clients, and then you're starting to be a little bit more um, discerning as to who he's talking about. This one left no doubt. No, and when you run through his client list of the Calgary Flames, you mentioned DeSimone and Huberto. Well, I wonder which client he's referencing in tagging the Calgary Flames, and it has been a tough go for Jonathan Huberto. You mentioned he is probably, he and Jacob Markstrom are the two players that have been criticized the most this season with cause. Jonathan Huberto hasn't adapted as quickly as maybe he thought he would or fans thought he would or maybe the coaching staff and management thought he would. His point production is going to be his lowest since 2015, 2016, I believe, when he played 26 games. It hasn't gone well. He's only got 10 goals, well off his 115-point pace from last season. And if you're not having fun at your job, I don't care what it is, whether you're a hockey player, a radio host, a plumber, you run through the list. If you're not having fun at your job, you're not going to be great at your job. You're not going to put a lot of effort and oomph and desire in your job. Right. And I wonder if the quote unquote negativity sucks the joy right out of players. Doesn't tell us everything we need to know in regards to Alan Walsh and his client, Jonathan Huberto. So here's what I believe. I believe there have been and and, and, and I believe this with, um, I I'm confident in my belief. How's that? I believe there have been moments where the coach and this player, it's it's kind of, I believe there have been some oil and water moments where they have, you can use all kinds of different cliches. Oil and water, yeah, I think there's been some of that. And where they have not seen eye to eye, where the approaches of the two individuals have not been great fits, I fully 2,000% believe that that has been the case. I look back, we know, we know for a fact that, Jonathan was not impressed with that that comment earlier in the season uh, about what uh, Mr. Huberdeau might have been doing while he was not on the ice. Um, the bathroom comment, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you're not allowed to say that word on air, I'm guessing. Not on this podcast. Okay. Um, so so there was that. There was, and, and I think sometimes the utilization, there's been some frustration there. I, I absolutely believe there have been times when they haven't been on the same page or where the approaches have not necessarily been a good mesh and and that Daryl is very particular he is a very direct coach he has got a relentless approach Jonathan's a player with a decade of NHL experience who's coming off a 115 point season that earned him an 84 million dollar contract the biggest contract in Flames history he's done things a certain way throughout his career Daryl has his approach and is very set in in the way that he goes about his business This is not a unique thing. It's not the first time, nor will it be the last time it happens in pro sports or the NHL or the Calgary Flames organization. And yeah, the agent absolutely blows it out of proportion or, 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 or turns it into a much bigger thing when he goes out to his, you know, 65,000 plus followers and puts that out there. Of course, it's going to become a story. So yeah, I think there have been times this year where there's been frustrations on, on Huberto's side. And yeah, I think there's been some times this year where the, I'm trying to think of the right word, the growing pains 
and the lack of pace on the adjustment to the two okay. the two approaches. I, I think there have been times where that has been an issue, but I don't think it's an unfixable issue, and I don't think it's something that is completely untenable. But yeah, I, I do think that has been the case this year. Saying all of that. I don't know if the agent helped things by going out and and doing what he did. We're going to hear from Daryl Sutter in just a second. We're going to hear from Jonathan Huberdo after that. And yeah, I, I don't think that this is something that was uh, that that is is unfixable or something that is or has completely taken over the team, and that's why they are where they are. I think it goes along with the territory. I think it goes along with a frustrating season and and yes. I think that players and coaches don't see eye to eye all the time. So, yeah. Do I think there have been some growing pains with Daryl Sutter and Jonathan Huberto? Absolutely I do. Do I think that those growing pains are irreparable and that the relationship is irreparable? No, I, I don't think that we're at that point as of yet. And And I think that when you have an agent come out and put that out into the universe like was put out into the universe on Thursday night. I think it does blow things out of proportion a little bit more than, or, or a little bit more than they are and what the actual reality is. That was basically the tweet equivalent of a mic drop. I would suggest. And listen, Daryl's a demanding coach. We all know that he's got the cups to back up his approach and having a demanding boss that can be not fun, but losing isn't fun either. So it's not as though it one's in spite of the other. And it's 100% easier to have fun at the rink and going and being around teammates and being in the room and practicing and playing games when things are clicking. That hasn't happened a lot this year. You can just go back to the game against Detroit where there's no intensity, no emotion, no desire, no desperation for a team that's, for all intents and purposes, is on the outside looking into the playoff picture. And then just mixing in a tweet from an outside source but kind of an inside source has really just the just the match to light the fire, if you will, I think, for this market right now. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. Is that th- this, right this off the top of my head. And and this market, and I hate it because they're named the flames, so there's always fire references to begin with. We're really not trying to to be too uh on the nose with our I might be. I don't even think you are. <laughs> well, not that time, but you know me. I don't think that uh we're trying well, I know we're not trying to be uh, on the nose when it comes to these references, but yeah. This team is a tinderbox right now. They are like, and and fans in this market are frustrated beyond belief. Believe me, I I I feel it. I said this on on Thursday's post game. Like I, I read the texts. I I get a lot of those texts that are are directed at me because that's how we do our post game show. I get the calls. I get the people that are are really really frustrated. I don't take it personally, but I feel it. I I've got a lot of I've got an overdeveloped empathy, Gene. I feel it. I feel the I feel the frustration. I get it, and I think that you are very well justified. And there is reason for you to be as frustrated as you've been this year because they have been through fifty-seven games as infuriating a team as we've seen in recent years, especially based on expectations. So yeah, to the, the way that you put it right there, it just is, is another match on this fire that is, is burning pretty hot right now when talking about this team. And again, I apologize for the on the nose um, fire references. It's 
just an interesting scenario when you have the agent for the player that has just signed the largest contract in franchise history, which doesn't even kick in until next season. Yep. And you have what I'm going to just assume because coaches' salaries aren't uh, all that public for the most part, but one of probably a very well-paid coach and very well-respected coach and has the resume that he does and has the cups that he has and has the connection to the local market like he has. Again, you use the you use the term in a tinderbox. Like even just seeing how this situation plays out and whether it's a distraction for the team, whether it's a rallying point for the team and uh, having that locker room go, okay, we're going to shut everything down. Doesn't matter what's going on outside of these four walls. We're going to approach it to a man. You look to your left, you look to your right, and you're playing for those players. Just be curious how this situation unfolds going further or if it's already been squashed and quote-unquote forgotten about. Well, and I before we hear from from both Jonathan and Daryl Sutter, I do want to say that you know when, when you have a situation like this, and again, this is not... I can tell you, this is not Jonathan Huberto coming to work with brass knuckles and and Daryl Sutter coming to work with nunchucks. Like I, I don't think they, this <laughs> oh, is not. But that's a that's an image in the head. Hey, just play that movie out a little bit. That's not what we're talking about here. We're we're, we're talking about a frustrating season. We're talking about a frustrating season as a team. We're talking about a frustrated player who is having a really, really rough time adjusting to a new team, new surroundings, new way of playing. You've got a coach who is very, very uh, direct and relentless with his approach and expects perfection from his players. And so, I, I mean, I think that based on all of those factors, yeah, there's been some growing pains in, in those two guys getting on the same page. I don't think that is crazy to suggest. I don't think that we're on RuPaul spilling a bunch of tea right now. I just I think that is very, very plain to see, and I'm quite, quite confident in saying that. And responsibility lies on both sides. When you have something that is not exactly... Lou always says, you know, you got to work to get to a... You got you to gotta do different to be different, and you got to work to get on the same page. It's it's one of the things that Labardius has said to me many times that has made uh, one of the biggest impacts in, in, in my life when, when dealing with people. And, and I think that that there is responsibility on both sides and, and both sides, I believe are working to get to a better place in terms of the way they're going about it. So it's not just Jonathan Huberto. It's not just Daryl Sutter. I think that there have been some growing pains in the adjustment to Jonathan coming to Calgary. Some that are related to the coach, some that are completely unrelated to the coach. And well, let's, let's hear from him. Let's hear from, let's go Daryl first. This was uh, the head coach. He spoke to us for about 10 minutes on Friday morning following practice and, um, well, it's just, just let's take a listen to the most pertinent stuff that we're all talking about on this Friday. Do I want to get your reaction to the, uh, the tweet from Alan Walsh last night? Tweet. It uh, said that uh, the players are being, the fun is being sucked out of the players here in Calgary. So, and what would his relationship be to you or to the players? He's the agent for Jonathan Huberdeau. So it's not really players, is it? So I'm assuming you're saying that it's irrelevant what an agent would tweet? That would be the assumption. This is pro sports, they're big boys, but what sort of importance do you put on players coming to the rink and having, like enjoying coming to the rink? Is that important to you? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's really important because of the difference in the age group of your team. 
right? You got older guys with families and young single guys, and and uh, I think the older guys probably, you know, it's it's a real business to them. They come in a real business like, but I think the young guys come and have fun. Like even today, you see it, right? They they enjoy being on the ice and doing what they do. So, you know, you're gonna lose a game once in a while. It's not quite honest when you ask that question, Eric. Social media and and what anybody says doesn't affect locker room ever, ever, right? When you got a tight group, that's you you keep it tight. This feels like a tight group. This sport. Well, it is. We've worked really hard at it, and we continue to. And take us through the evolution of that. When you came here, did you feel like it was a tight group or it's gotten tighter? I think it was fairly well talked about that it wasn't. There was groups in the group. You know, do you get the sense that frustration is is seeping in at all with the lack Yeah, of you know, I think there's frustration when you, quite honest, you can't ever base it on one game the way you do it because otherwise it's just an up and all over the map every day but I think it's you know when the guys go for a, for a week or a, like a road trip or that sort of thing and play really really well they and they believe they should win every game right so then and then it's exactly what happened last night you come home you don't quite have the energy there are people there's some of you guys went on the road trip and didn't finish the trip you were probably tired for a couple of days you didn't have to play the game right so that's the way it works they're people like I think today's a, today's a new day again for them like it's fresh start and that's what you got to look at. It's 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 a long season for them, and and you know they feel they should have. We feel we should have two or three more wins. Like quite honest, there's what is it, ten or eleven OTs? Well, if you get five or six more, there's not one critic out there in the world, not one here. So that's that's like saying five more goals, four or five goals less, you got five more points. And if you had, that's the best way to look at it. If you look at it the other way, you're way off track. Are you sensing that Jonathan Huberto is having fun playing hockey this year? I think he's—he'd certainly like to be putting more numbers up. But even like last night, he—he he, he told me the bench he was playing good, so that's good. That's good for me too, right? That's what it's about. How do you try and reach a guy that's probably putting a lot of pressure on himself in a new market? How do you try to reach him and sort of coax the next level out of him? Yeah, I just think that there's a. You know, there is a period of adjustment, and then away you go. We're 50-some games in, right? So, you know, when does that adjustment kick in? That's, you know, that's not, I'm not a genius on that. He's a good player. That's what I care about more than anything. So there's Daryl Sutter. Uh, He addressed the, like right there in that three minutes and 40 seconds, he addressed Alan Walsh and the tweet directly. He addressed the negativity or frustration and then addressed the relationship and how he and Huberdeau are, and not even him and Huberdeau, but the way Huberdeau's playing. And I look, I, I think Daryl did a pretty good job of diffusing that situation as, as you know, for a thing that is, is a tinderbox and Ooh. is there's a, there's a lot of tinder there, and you're just kind of like, oh, you hope the sun doesn't shine on it the wrong way. I think he did a pretty good job of diffusing it, and I also think we're going to hear from Huberto in a second. But I think he did a pretty good job in the in the same light of diffusing it. That said, I do have several questions. Yes. One, does he really not know Alan Walsh? I mean, Daryl knew. Did he? Did he really? Did he really not know about the tweet? And I say this respectfully: the Calgary Flames PR staff has won the Dillman Award twice in the last eight years. 
I can't imagine there's a I, scenario. They should have won it uh, the last and, eight straight. A hundred percent agree. There's no way Daryl didn't know about that tweet this morning if he didn't already know about it last night. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think there's probably a safe assumption there, and yet you want to go and you, that's. That's the way Daryl diffuses things like that. And he it's, did a good not, job at it. It's not the first time that it's kind of where something like that comments or social media or something like that has been brought up. And that's that's how Daryl goes about diffusing things, right? And and I think it was effective. And I think he did get a message across. Uh, whether whether or not you you believe him, that's up to you. But I give the flames, I give the flames and and the People associated, like the the people in question, specifically Daryl and and Jonathan, I I give them a lot of credit because there was no next question, there was no shying away from it. There was it was acknowledged, it was addressed, and they answered every question that was there. There was no there was no big bad PR guy stepping in saying nope, that's not like that. I think it was it was handled really well and diffused as effectively as it could be. And again, then it's up to you. We're going to hear from Huberto right now. It's up to you. You hear it. And we haven't edited this stuff and, and spliced or anything like that. That was straight on full three minutes and 40 seconds of the way it went before other stuff got asked. And, and the same is about to be true of the three minutes we're about to play here from Jonathan Huberdo. You hear it. I and they did a good job of diffusing what could be a really ugly situation. And the rest is up to you in terms of what you want to believe and, and how you feel about it. Here's Jonathan Huberdo when he was asked by us leeches in the locker room oh. following uh, Friday's practice. I had no idea when I woke up. <clears throat> woke up this morning. And, I mean, I had a lot of notification on my phone. So <laughs> you guys all know Alan, yeah. you know? You guys know him probably, you know, maybe a lot more than I do. But, <laughs> is, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I woke up this morning and I saw that tweet. So it does not reflect What's your favorite your thoughts or opinions right now. No, I think, you know, we're... We're all frustrated. I mean, we, we can play better, and that's about it. But, you know, that it doesn't come from me. So, you know, it's like, it's my, yeah, it's my agent. But, you know, it's it's from him. It's his, it's his account. That's who that, you know, he made that tweet. So that doesn't reflect, you know, on me or on the on the guys. Or, you know, we all love each other. We're a close team. And, you know, we're going to grind this out and make the playoffs. Have you talked to Alan since that tweet? Uh, yeah, I talked to him. Uh, talked to him this morning. I gave him a call when I saw it. <laughs> I saw that I had to, you know, obviously I don't want that, you know, to happen and stuff like that. So kind of put emphasis on, on the players and, you know, that's what we, what we need uh, right now. So The implication did seem to be that it seemed to be sort of directed towards the coach and you're fine with the coach, with, with Daryl Sutter? Yeah, I mean, you know, Daryl, Daryl's Daryl. I mean, we, you know, sometimes, you know, you won't like what the coach do, but, you know, and some some nights you, you do like it. So it's all you know. You're never like 100% happy with, with the coach, with, with you know decisions and stuff like that. But me and Daryl have a g- great connection. You know, great, great, um, you know, friendship. And uh, you know he's good. He wants he wants to win like, just like us. So. Any, any idea where Alan Walsh got those that idea that it's not fun in here? No, I mean I don't know. I probably probably ask around, but you know obviously, like I said, I think it's. You know we're having fun, so you guys are not in the room all the time. You know it's 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 like that. But I think as a group, you know we're 
we're mature. We have a lot of, you know, veterans. I think we're having a lot of fun. But I think, you know, we want to win too. It's, it's, and right now, you know, we, we know we're not in the playoff spot. So I think we, you know, we want to try more and forget about the social media stuff and just do it uh, as a team. Would you have preferred that Alan didn't do that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you guys. I would be on my way home and it'd be fine. Jonathan, is frustration is that cannot be a, an enemy of a, of the group the way things are going right now. Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, especially right now, it's the last stretch, and we need to get some wins, and especially you know being at home, I think we need to to be better and. Oh, no, you don't want to go into the summer and be like, uh, next year, you know, enough of that. I think you're, personally, I mean, you know, it's my, you know, 29, you know, going to turn 30. So I think this is, this is it, you know, and a lot of guys it's like that. So I think, you know, we're, I think we're, if we get into the playoffs, you know, nowadays you just need to get in. It doesn't matter where you get in. It's, you can get in the eight, eight spot, last wall card, and, you know, you can win the cup like St. Louis did. That is Jonathan Huberdo as he reacted to the news of the day. Uh, and, and, and I, I think that he did a really good job of diffusing it as well. And yes, do I think there's some damage control going on? Of course I do, uh, because this is something that needed to be controlled. But I've seen other situations that have not been addressed properly. And again, it's up to you on the tax line at 960-960. It's up to Aaron Vickers. It's up to me. It's up to you listening on podcast or on radio. It's up to you to make up your mind and, and interpret what you've heard but in terms of addressing it answering questions not shying away acknowledging it all of it i think that it was as as well as you could diffuse a situation like this i give both Daryl and jonathan a lot of credit because they did it about as well as you possibly could to try to instead of fanning the flames they maybe quelled them a little bit. You know, I threw a little bit of water, got a little bit of a fire extinguisher in there. I mean, almost a PR masterclass in, I don't want to say crisis management because I wouldn't call this a crisis whatsoever. Well, for but for both sports, it's pretty close to a crisis. For both parties, Daryl Sutter and Jonathan Huberto, both sides did a really good job of putting this issue to bed to the point where there's not really a follow-up story to be had. At this point, from a from a writing perspective, I mean, it still will make for good talk radio for the next couple of days. But it's almost like the Daryl comments from Huberto that, you know, the bathroom incident, I guess we'll call it. Taking a... But unless another issue arises in the future, this one's kind of parked for right now. So if you're the Calgary Flames and you're Daryl Sutter and you're Jonathan Huberto, you did a really good job of extinguishing the flames. No? Okay. I that was but... Fine. That was fine. Sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire too, and you got to weigh that versus Walsh's history of. I'm not. I'm not suggesting him. that there's nothing here, and I'm not suggesting right. that this is a much ado about nothing oh, situation no. because I do think that there is is some truth to the frustration and 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 negativity being a part of it. And and look, the players push back on that really good today. And again, I give them a lot of credit. And and my biggest hope of all of this is that they're able to. Uh, let me play you Jacob Markstrom, and then and then I'll get to this point. I know we're uh, we might have to we're going a little bit later on this part, but it's it's good stuff. We got to keep going. Yeah. Let me play you Jacob Markstrom before I get to the text because I thought Markstrom pushed back very effectively, very passionately, very assertively when it comes to some of this stuff. Listen to Jacob in the locker room on Friday. You know, everybody likes each other. Everybody can hang out, and you know, 
we're having fun together and it's i feel like it's it's all you just need to show it and put it out on the ice and it's you know when it's not going good uh, you know pick each other up and uh and not 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 feel too down either you know obviously it's frustrating but you know the next day you can't let what happened the night before you know affect you and you know i've been through it a bunch this year where where i left would have liked to handle it differently but you know i can't go back and change anything yeah i just gotta you know look forward and and, and come to work and you know work as hard as I, I can and and you know build my game to you know where it needs to be the perception of this group is sort of not having fun not enjoying coming to the office is just it's just not accurate well who says who says it any of the players no so I mean, I think the players is the one you should ask. You shouldn't just put out stuff with, uh, you know, with not no one saying that. I mean, I think you should report, not guess. And it's easy for you guys to, you know, obviously you report what you see, but you know what you see is maybe not always what's going on, especially because you can't see in the locker room. You, you see what's going on in the ice, and yeah, it's frust. Uh, people are frustrated. I'm frustrated when we're not winning as many games as we would like. But you know, it's tough to tough for you guys to guess and then you know that kind of snowball effect and then everybody start reporting that you know we're not having fun or not a, a tight group we're a tight group and you know it's fun to win and we want to win more and that's way more fun than losing so there's jacob markstrom who i that's you know you can lecture us all you want i love it and and, and that's the type of stuff i would never want to criticize jacob markstrom for saying something like that, despite the fact that he was dressing us down right in front Candid, of us. Candid, honest, and direct. But I, I, give me that all day long, every day. But here's what I will say. So two things. First of all, from the outside, because he's right, and this is what I push back on on calls all the time. We're not in there. I don't know if Coach A has lost room or this guy hates that. I don't know. I'm not in there. I'm not going to be able to tell you. We can, we can guess at that stuff all we want from the outside. But... From the outside, they look like a frustrated team. Oh, yeah. They look like they're not having a ton of fun. Yeah. They look like this is a prison sentence sometimes. Yes, sir. Um, and, and I worry about the walls caving in, the outside walls caving in on this group, the frustration, the, the outside noise, all of that. I, I do worry about it. But this is what I hope. And listening to, uh, we haven't heard from Uyghur, but he was really passionate today. You know, we just heard from Huberto, Daryl, uh, and there's there's Jacob Markstrom's really strong comments. I hope this team uses all of this as something to actually galvanize them and come together around this. Then all of this drama and all of this BS is a positive. And, and maybe that is what happens. A team that has not been able to galvanize themselves into anything sustained in a positive way all year long through 57 games, if they can use this as a real time to rally around something and use this as a time to come together, well, then damn right, this is a real positive. And I hope that what we heard from players today and the kind of glares that we were all getting today. <laughs> real popcorn situation. I like that. I hope that, I hope that that is something that can spur them on and they can, you know what? Let's shove it down their throats and show them how good we can really be. That would be a positive. Listen, if they don't, they're in a world of trouble. And not that they need some sort of outside manufactured incident in order to rally the troops. But they've had opportunities before, whether it be really big wins or incidents in games. If you even think back to the New York game where 
fists were flying everywhere and teammates were coming to the defense and they came away with one point, but not two. This Calgary Flames team needs something to rally around quickly because time's running out. Great text. I'll uh, just read a few at 960, 960. Uh, Sutter needs to get the boys on a train and buy them a beer. Should fix everything. Uh, where's Glenn Gullitson when you need him? Exactly. Uh, this says uh, the agent put his client in a horrible situation. Randy says deja vu. Groundhog day. Sutter shoots off at the mouth until too many eyebrows get raised. Then he softens the tone with damage control. Nauseating, really. Noah says two words. Damage control. I don't think that Walsh tweets what he tweets if there isn't actual problems in the room. Uh, this says the relationship was broken when Sutter made the toxic comments about Huberto taking the, uh, that's not hard nosed coaching. This says, um, I'm honestly not surprised to see this lazy response from Huberto and his agent instead of putting in the effort and work to create better results, tries to force things to get his way in a lazy manner. This says Huberto needs to get his act together. Not like Sutter's sitting him on the bench or playing him on the fourth line. Walsh has to say crap like that so we can deflect from Jonathan's piss poor play. Just a smattering of the different texts as we got to uh, read this. But I will say 960, 960, keep the text coming on this Friday. Vickers Steinberg from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all all things basement visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time for our Daily Flames roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, now the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Wills. I wonder if we... We talk about enough. Did we? Uh, do we, uh, we have enough to talk about the first part of this hour? I think we did. Now um, we. Now Let's say hello to uh, Mr. Wills and dive into a few other things. So we've touched a lot on Huberto, Alan Walsh, Daryl Sutter, so on and so forth. But they did get their behinds handed to them on Thursday night, five two, thanks to the Detroit Red Wings. And it's been another another instance, Derek, where after a game we're talking about the C word, consistency. Why has consistency been such an issue and so hard for them to grasp this season? Well, that's a great question, Pat. I mean, it has been, uh, as Chris Tan have said last night, uh, a roller coaster ride. And really I think it's been a roller coaster ride going back to last season. You know, the high of winning the Pacific Division, uh, the high of uh, winning in overtime of Game 7 versus the Stars in the first round, the high of winning 9-6 in Game 1 uh, of the second round versus the Oilers, and then the low of losing four straight after that, and uh, then the low of losing Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk, and then the high of uh, adding Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Wieger and... Uh, well, this season's been uh, a yo-yo. I mean, you take a look at the two games before the break. Bad game against the Blackhawks at home. Good game against the Kraken on the road. And then a nine-day break. Uh, you come out of the break. Uh, good game against the Rangers. Bad game against the Red Wings. Really good game against the Sabres. 
a really good 55 minutes or so against the Senators and then a really bad game against the Red Wings last night. So it's just been so up and down and they've been consistently inconsistent. Why? I don't know. I mean, that's the million dollar question and it's something they're going to have to sort out between now and the end of the regular season if they want to play postseason hockey for a second straight season. I think individually there's been a lot of inconsistency, which means collectively there's been a lot of inconsistency. And as a team, there just hasn't been as much room for error this season as there was last. I know that the goals far Uh, Goals four aren't that far off uh, when you compare this season to last season. But when you look around the league, goals four are way up this season compared to last season. So Flames have been a little stagnant in that category. And uh, they've played in, as we know, uh, 32 one-goal games this season, more than any other team in the league. And when you're playing in all of those close games, uh, as we've talked a lot about, fellas, it's uh, one goal or one save that can make or break you. And they haven't got that goal or got that save often enough. So... Consistency has been a big issue for this team. If they can become more consistent, then I still think that they're going to be a tough out uh, should they get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, but they're going to have to get that figured out sooner rather than later for sure. I'm going to lay a complete cop-out here and just deliver a quote from Michael Backlund post-game after the Detroit loss. You want to be in a playoff spot. You want to play meaningful games like we are. You want to battle, and we should come out with more energy. We should play better. It's tough. If I had the answers we would have fixed it. So if Michael Backlund doesn't have the answers, I apologize, gentlemen. Turning to me to try and solve what's ailing the Calgary Flames right now, probably a <laughs> fool's errand a little bit. I'm humble enough to admit it. Not, not humble all Boo. the way, but humble enough for that. Listen, Derek hit the nail on the head. They haven't gotten one extra save and they haven't scored one extra goal. Well, when you do that, you're going to be chasing games quite often. The thing that's more concerning for me isn't so much the score, but some of the efforts we've seen, again, leads back to the question, why have they been so inconsistent? If I had the answer, I'd pass it on to them so they could fix it. My, because uh, look, do I know the answer? Of course not. None of us actually Boo. know. How could we? Boo. But here is my theory. I I honestly think, because my, and, and Daryl, Dar- Daryl, Derek, we talked a little bit about this on, on postgame on Thursday, but kind of one of the things that I have uh, doing this job and wa- watching specifically this team, because I can't even count on, I can't count how many times we've had this conversation about this group lacking consistency. And you know why we've had that conversation so damn often? Because they've been a middle... Since since I started doing this, they've been a middle-of-the-pack team, save for maybe four or five seasons, three or four seasons when they were really bad for a couple of years and when they were really good for a couple of years. Otherwise, and this is like season 12 or something for me, they've been a middle-of-the-road team, like nine, ten seasons, and middle-of-the-road teams are inconsistent. And you're a middle-of-the-road team because you don't have elite players and or, or players, excuse me, playing at an elite level. And, and that, to me... Right now, the Flames do not have the elite players that are driving the bus. And the guys that we pointed to at the beginning of the season saying, these guys have got to play at a high level and at an elite level and to their potential to drive this bus, that hasn't happened. So whether it's Huberto, whether it's Lindholm, whether it's Markstrom, whether it is Kadri, like there's a, a lot of guys that you could point to right now and say, those guys haven't been at the level they need to be to be the true bus drivers for this team. And that's why they're a middle-of-the-road team 
And because they're a middle-of-the-road team, sometimes they look damn good, Derek, and sometimes they look listless against really bad teams like they did three weeks ago in Chicago, against Chicago. And I don't want to call Detroit a bad team because Detroit's actually a really impressive team the way they're trending. But again, that was a pretty listless frustrating effort to watch against Detroit. One team looked desperate. The other team didn't look desperate. And yet they're in the same position in, in different conferences right now. So that to me is why consistency has been so hard to find because they're not a great hockey team so far this year. And so can they still find it? We'll see. I'm losing confidence in that each passing time we see it, but that's my theory as to why through 55 games, they are where they are and they've looked the way they've looked. Pat, I think you put it perfectly. I mean, I'm not even sure you did it on purpose, but <laughs> I actually not. think wow. the Flames <laughs> do have some elite players, but they're not playing at an elite level consistently. You don't put up 115 points in this league by accident. Jonathan Huberto has the ability to be an elite player. He was last season. I believe Elias Lindholm is, when he's on his game, one of the elite two-way centermen in this league. I think Nazem Kadri can be... Maybe not quite at that level, but pretty darn close. I think Rasmus Anderson is inching towards becoming an elite defenseman. And Jacob Markstrom was one of the elite goaltenders in the league last season. So I do think that they have not generational players, but elite players. But those guys haven't been elite often enough this season. So uh, I do. I think you you really hit the nail on the head there. And something else we talked about on the postgame show on Thursday night they've really struggled to string wins together. And as a result, they really haven't had intangibles like belief and confidence and momentum and swagger this season. And I really think that they've missed those things. When you believe that good things are going to happen, whether you're a hockey player or a broadcaster or whatever it is that you do, uh, either for work or for fun, uh, I think good things are going to happen more often than not. But Last night at the Dome, I think, was a perfect example, guys. Not only did the team play like something bad was going to happen, I feel like the fans felt like something bad was going to happen as well. And the Flames aren't in a terrible spot. They're certainly not in a spot that they want to be in, but they still have a chance to get to the playoffs. And as we know, if you get there, then you've got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So they've got to get it sorted out sooner rather than later. And uh, I asked Mackenzie Weger today, and I just love chatting with both him and Jonathan Huberdeau, two of my favorite Flames to deal with. So I'm certainly glad the team picked them up during the offseason. But I asked Mackenzie, hey, what do you guys have to do do to get off the roller coaster ride that this season has been. And the look on his face, uh, I said, I think said a thousand words, but you know, we just talked about stringing some wins together. They haven't had a winning streak longer than three games. I guess the good news is they haven't really had all that many long losing streaks either. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I forget who brought it up. Um, I can't remember, but someone made a good point today that they haven't had uh, more than a two game winning or losing streak. If you go back to, uh, sometime in December. So uh, there haven't been a lot of losses in a row, but the problem is there haven't been a lot of wins in a row either. So we'll see if they can uh, maybe start a streak. Uh, they're going to get another team coming in on the second half of a back-to-back. They're probably going to get another backup goaltender tomorrow night. We'll see if they can take advantage of that against the Rangers. I think shout out to Julian McKenzie of The Athletic for that. Yes, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. You said a couple of interesting uh, words there, Willsie. Belief, confidence, swagger. I'm going to toss in another one. I'm just going to say fun. We've talked a lot about fun today. It's a lot easier to go out and do your job when you have a smile on your face. Yeah. Results follow fun. 
I wonder if they're just not having enough fun right now. Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek, Aaron, Pat on this Friday Flames Talk. Interestingly, at uh, practice, lost in all the hubbub of all what was going on. New deep pairings. Uh, Hannafin with Tanev. Then you had uh, Uyghur on the left with Anderson on his right. You had Zadorov on the left with Gilbert on his right. And then the fourth pairing, Connor Mackey on the left and Michael Stone on the right. Uh, those are pairings we have not seen uh, all together at the same time. What do we make of those, gents? Well, I'm going to start with the third pairing. I was not surprised to see a change there. You know, I'm a big Michael Stone fan. But I thought he really struggled last night, especially early. Uh, more bad luck than anything else, but uh, that first goal goes off his hand. Uh, the puck changes direction, bounces off the side of Dan Vladar and then off the inside of his arm and goes in. Uh, bad bounce for both Michael Stone and for Dan Vladar and for the Flames. Uh, and then he took two penalties. Uh, and a couple of the power play goals against last night. That was a big part of the Flames' problem in that 5-2 uh, loss versus the Red Wings. So I was wondering about Michael Stone and... Hey, I think Dennis Gilbert has done a really good job. I think he's brought uh, something to the team that they don't have enough of or that you'd always like to have more of, and that's physicality and toughness. And I think he's played pretty consistently in his role as a third-pairing guy for this team. So uh, interesting that they're trying him on his offside and leaving Nikita Zadorov on his strong side. And as far as the top four is concerned, Hannafin Tanev is new-ish. But of course, Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev played together for three games while Rasmus Anderson was out. The, the interesting one for me, fellas, is Mackenzie Wieger and Rasmus Anderson. So I'm not sure whether or not we're going to see these pairings when the Flames face the Rangers in, I wouldn't say a must-win game, pretty, pretty down important game on Saturday night at Scotiabank Saddledome. But uh, here's what I think. I wouldn't say any game at this point in time is must-win mathematically, but realistically, we're starting to get into that territory, don't you think? So you don't fool around with your defense pairings at practice the day before one of your biggest games of the season if you're not at least strongly considering going with those new pairings tomorrow night. Uh, based on what we've seen from Daryl Sutter, uh, could be an optional morning skate tomorrow, so we might have to wait until warm-up to see what the pairings look like. But, uh, hey, he waited 50-plus games to change his power play units before finally doing that coming out of the nine-day break. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that uh, 55 games into the regular season, he's thinking about changing up his three defense pairings as well. Yeah, I'll start with the third pairing too, and I think it makes sense rotating Gilbert in for Stone. I have some of the same sort of thoughts on Michael Stone's play of late, and again, big fan of the person and the player. But Gilbert, he's he's shown well in limited time, and I don't think Michael Stone's been to a level that he needs to be, so I get rotating him in there. Hanavintanev, I think we saw a couple years back, if I'm not mistaken, so yeah. you kind of know what to expect there. I'm most curious about this Uyghur-Anderson combination. I think it either goes really good or it gets adjusted pretty quickly. You've got two... Similar defensemen in the sense that uh, the way they move around and like to patrol. One's obviously Uyghur's going to be playing his off wing, but they're both right shots. I'll be very curious and I'll be watching closely. If indeed that pairing comes to fruition, that'll be the one I'll key on because I think it has some really interesting potential. Got to be really quick, but yeah, Anderson Uyghur is the thing that intrigues me the most because... When they acquired Uyghur, I think they looked at him as being a guy that could be a, a top pair defenseman. And yep. I think we all agree 
that Anderson is their number one guy. And I know that it was his first game back against Detroit. Took a little time to get up to speed. But, uh, yeah, I'm really intrigued by that. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm quite curious to see how it does work when it's all said and done. Yeah, and when it comes to the defense pairings, the one interesting thing that Daryl Sutter said today was that he ideally wants to stop moving Uyghur back and forth from the left side to the right side. He wants to leave him on one side yeah. or the other side. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if, if that's the case. And uh, I guess it'll be easier to do that if the Flames can stay healthy for the rest of the season. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, have a good uh, long weekend, everybody. You as well, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday. There's Derek Wills. Uh, He is Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. There is your Daily Flames Roundtable. It's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. Um, Wow, we had uh, lots to talk about. (laughs) We're not even done. We, uh, in a lot of ways, just kind of scratching the surface. But thanks for being with us this hour. Um, and and look, there's a, a lot to dive into when it comes to this team right now. We wrap up this hour with our Friday Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus play responsibly. We're keeping our head above water this week. Went one and one on Thursday with our best bet. So we're up to five and four on the week. Uh, after seven and two last week. So, you know what? Just, you know, like little incremental gains. It's all we're looking for. One foot in front of the other. Um, we nailed our shot prop. Nick Ehlers had a huge third period and went way over three and a half shots. I was a little concerned on that, but he ended up way over three and a half. Uh, we did not hit Nazem Kadri over half a point. So, uh, went one and one on Thursday. For Friday, I've got two for you. I'm going Bo Horvat over two and a half shots versus Pittsburgh. So, Horvat of the Islanders over two and a half shots. And then Arthur Kaliev of the Kings. I love this one. Over two and a half shots versus Anaheim. Don't know if the books have quite caught on to how much Kaliev is shooting it. I'm going Kaliev over two and a half shots versus Anaheim, who bleeds shots a uh, bleed shots more than anyone in this league. And I also like Horvat to over two and a half versus Pittsburgh. And just for fun, Connor McDavid's hit over three and a half in four straight and sixty-seven percent on the year. Leon Dreisaitl's hitting 68 over two and a half and three straight. Why not just parlay a couple Oilers in there just to just to have some fun? If you can stand the throw up in your mouth, go right Whoa. in. Whoa. <laughs> uh, over that cash. That is our, uh, that's our hour for Aaron Vickers for on Twitter, by the way, at AA Vickers for Cam and Taylor, our producers. I'm Pat. Thanks to Derek Wills and wrapping up this hour with your Flames Talk best bets brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play free play only 18 plus play responsibly.